Brian Nichols, you're a great man with some great ideas, a great podcast. Do you see why he's my favorite libertarian people? <laughs> yes. He's full of common sense and wisdom. Brian Nichols here on The Brian Nichols Show. Welcome to The Brian Nichols Show, your source for common sense politics on the We Are Libertarians Network. Today I'm joined by easily one of the best of the best, Matt Kibbe. Welcome to The Brian Nichols Show. Hey, Brian. It's good to be with you. By the way, let me take a step back and say I love what you're doing. I love the conversational style, and it's a combination of good fun and serious ideas. I love the fact that your show's doing what it does, and, and this is how we win the future. The Brian Nichols Show is the fastest-growing liberty podcast that brings together people from all means of political thought as we seek to have meaningful conversations about the issues you care about. There's so many things that we can do to make America freer and the world better and safer and more peaceful. Everybody has the responsibility of trying to help to do that. You know, what you're doing with your podcast is a perfect example of, you know, you're doing this as a labor of love and for the cause, and that is exactly what we have to have. At The Brian Nichols Show, our goal is to leave the audience educated, enlightened, and informed. And now your host, Brian Nichols. Hey, what's up, folks? It's Brian Nichols here on The Brian Nichols Show. Thank you for returning, yes, again, to another fun-filled episode of The Brian Nichols Show. Now, if you are returning from last week's episode where I interviewed Congressman Justin Amash, well, thank you for returning. But if you missed last week's episode, pause right now, pause the episode, and go to your podcast feed and download that episode. It was a fantastic conversation, and I can almost guarantee it's going to answer a lot of questions you may have had about Congressman Amash, especially in regards to his calls for impeachment with President Trump, uh, more particularly looking at that of obstruction of justice. Now, this week is is no different in terms of the sheer awesomeness of the episode, as I am joined by CEO for Students for Liberty, Dr. Wolf Von Lahr. And what a fantastic conversation we had. Uh, now, if you're unfamiliar with Students for Liberty, they are literally the largest, largest group of students who are going around and promoting the ideas of liberty across the world, and quite literally across the world. That's why I wanted to have Dr. Wolf Von Lahr on my show today to discuss a lot of those wins that Students Liberty has had as they're going out and spreading the message of liberty to areas that so, so desperately need it. So if you enjoyed today's episode, a couple things. First and foremost, please share the episode with your family and friends. Again, guys, that's how we spread the message of liberty like they're doing over at Students for Liberty. Um, but also that's how we help get people more involved with our active liberty movement. Um, and also, if you could do me a favor and go over to iTunes, give me a rate and review. Five stars would be nice. And that's how we move up the podcast rankings. That's how more people find The Brian Nichols Show, We Are Libertarians, FritzCast, and, and, and really quick, there are a lot of great shows to go out and listen to. And I've actually been asked quite a bit what those shows are. So in no particular order, You're Welcome with Michael Malice, Bills with Luke Scorzeal, The Bob Murphy Show, of course, Contra Krugman is a fantastic show, Freedom Strips, we have The Friends Against Government, obviously, uh, Fritz Cast, which I mentioned, Kibbe on Liberty is fantastic, Lions of Liberty, of course, you cannot forget Lions of Liberty, uh, Mill Liberty with Caleb Franz, Muddied Waters, Otter Talking Politics, Part of the Problem, The Reason Podcast is always a great show, Scott Horton, of course, The Chris Spangle Show, uh, The Launchpad Media, anything over there, really, uh, Peter Schiff is always a go-to, The Rebellion, The Remzo Martinez Experience, Ruben Report with Dave Rubin, uh, and of course, Tom Woods, and... and I had to conclude here with uh, Wealth, Power, and Influence, the newly rebranded show there with Jason Stapleton. So please go ahead and support those fellow podcasters. Uh, they're doing great work over there, and, and I cannot support them enough. So with that, onto the show, Dr. Wolf Von Lahr, CEO of Students for Liberty, here on The Brian Nichols Show. 
Thank you so much for having me on, Brian. Absolutely. So, Dr. Wolf von Lair, you are the CEO of Students for Liberty, which is a phenomenal organization doing a lot of great work out there. But for my audience members who maybe aren't familiar with the work you're doing at Students for Liberty, could you give us a little bit of an intro as to who Students for Liberty is and uh, more or less what your mission is at Students for Liberty and your role at CEO at uh, Students for Liberty? Absolutely. Um Thanks again for having me. It's always great to talk about the work that we do here. And so Students for Liberty is around for 12 years, but your audience might be confused. Okay, Students for Liberty, we're talking here about like an American show. Why does this guy have a weird German accent? Uh, <laughs> I, can, I, can, I can tell you more about that because I'm a product of Students for Liberty. But uh, first and foremost, Students for Liberty is 12 years old. And what we really do is we select students who are interested in ideas of liberty, free market capitalism, free speech, the individual responsibilities and rights of an individual, we look for these folks and we carefully select them. They apply to our programs. And then we give them the tools and resources to become better advocates for the ideas through in-person and online training. So what does that mean? Um, that means that our students are really capable individuals who make a difference in the world, in the United States, but also in places like Venezuela, Brazil, uh, the democratic, and I'm using air quotes here, democratic Republic of Congo, and all other countries um, imaginable. We try to spread liberty everywhere. And in that capacity, our volunteer students that we have empowered have organized, and this is really fantastic, and it's like really mind-blowing, in the last school year, so just one single year, they organized 2,261 events with 99,263 people talking about these hmm. ideas. So wow. close to 100,000 people at our events in person talking about these ideas that, that you and I cherish here on this show and your listeners. And that shows you how much young people can really have reach and what they can accomplish because it's not my staff doing that. It's not me doing this. It's the students being in charge and they are organizing events that they want to see in the world. It's so exciting to see that there is such a desire from the young people, especially, to really focus on these ideals. I mean, I live here in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania now, and uh, just in the past uh, couple months or so, we had the Young Americans for Liberty YALCON uh, that took place here in Philadelphia with Cliff Maloney's uh, Young Americans for Liberty. And I had the chance to, to do a couple of, of speaking events there and, and to meet a lot of these young people. And, and you know, just from that experience, it, it got me excited to say, okay, wow, there are a lot of students out there, despite the... Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez's or the Bernie Sanders of the world's that these these students are not only very excited about the, the concepts of liberty, but they're actually going out into their communities and doing their part to help advance the message of liberty beyond the confines of our libertarian or or just liberty sphere of influence. So, um, you know, just to see that firsthand for myself was very exciting. But I, I to see what you guys are doing on a, a true international scale, that for me gets me really excited because obviously beyond the confines of the United States, you guys have had a lot of success in actually making some substantive changes in uh, in these various countries across the world. So let's maybe kind of dig into some of the wins you've had over at Students for Liberty, um, not only here in the United States, but also overseas. Absolutely. And uh, first I would say that Young Americans for Liberty is a tremendous uh, organization. We're working together with them a lot. And many of their leaders are becoming part of our programs. And we don't care if a student leader is involved in Young Americans for Liberty or calls themselves like Students for the Second Amendment or Students for Ayn Rand or for Mises, like we welcome everyone. They can use our material and we will help them become better leaders so that they can spread the message as long as it aligns with our more pro-liberty principles. And so it's wonderful to work with, together with so many different organizations out there to form, as you've said, a community because that, that's often what's lacking. 
um, without really rallying people, you have like a lot of in internet libertarians, I call them, that uh, have probably read like a lot and they, they think the government is too big and they, they are correct. But the only thing that they're doing is ranting on Facebook, you know, and that is not the way to go about it. You want to provide young people not only with a community where they can get together and talk about these ideas in a respectful way, but also give them opportunity to grow as individuals themselves because young people can really change the world. And we have seen this year after year. As a matter of fact, like our founder, Alexander McCoben, uh, he started all of this in, when he was in his young 20s and he did it on his own credit card and he did it out of uh, Pennsylvania as well, where you are based. So it's a good state for that. <laughs> and uh, he started it off and got help from other organizations. And now we are an organization with a budget of $4.9 million and have uh, close to 60 staff members around the world. And um, we are directing most of the funding. We are focusing on the United States as the most important country for us. But as you've said, we are international. And that gets us to some of the wins because the idea is not only to educate 100,000 people, which is mind-blowing in itself and fantastic that people come together in person because that's meaningful. Because people experience the excitement as you have experienced it at Yalcon. Or if you would come to our event, LibertyCon, which normally has between 1,000 and 1,700 people, there you can feel the excitement about the ideas, the excitement of meeting other people and coming up with new projects, meeting new friends, and that's important. But also, the idea behind Students for Liberty is that the students are in charge and they're getting to learn things and challenge themselves that they have not, they would have not done otherwise. They would not have learned how to organize an event with 100, 200 people um, at university or an internship program. And that gives young people more confidence and they go out for bigger and better things. And right now, I can give you like a little bit of an oversight our alumni have founded 40 nonprofits in 12 years, 4-0. Oh, wow. Um, and many of them grew to a size now that they have like $100,000 of dollars in budget and staff themselves. And just an example from Burundi, um, we have a student there. His name is Aimable. He got Students for Liberty into Congo, into Rwanda, and places that are not very open to the ideas of liberty. And he organized events for 2,000 people. But now... Because he had so much more experience, he got the confidence to start his own think tank in Burundi. And it was able to reduce the filing fee for a new business, the costs of filing for a new business, from $78 to $22. Hmm. Fine, that doesn't sound much to us. But G Burundi has a GDP per capita, according to the World Bank, of $291. Oh, wow. Exactly. So now thousands of people can start on businesses, sustain their families and serve millions of customers. And that's real change. And that guy I'm talking about, like he's in his mid 20s. That's exciting. Like to actually see that there are alums from Students for Liberty that are, are making a substantive real difference, not only here in the United States, but around the world. That That's exciting because I think one thing that not only have I come to realize as I've been doing more and more of these interviews is that the ideas of liberty are very contagious especially when people who maybe are outside of the liberty um, spheres of influence start to hear what it means, you know, what, what true liberty looks like. Um, yeah. You know, for example, I'm the chapter leader for America's Future Foundation here in Philadelphia, and I'm going to be having Shoshana Weissman from Archery Institute uh, to come up and discuss occupational licensing and how damaging it is to uh, those low-income individuals who can't afford to pay for these uh, just absolutely insane regulatory licenses that are preventing people from entering the workforce, you know, for cutting hair or standing in an elevator to push a button. Like the fact that that's a, a license you have to have is is mind blowing. But when people start to learn about the, the various ways that government has started to infringe upon the concepts of liberty, I think people get really excited because they want to be able to make a real difference and a real change in their communities. So to see that you're actually having success 
again, not only here in the United States, but across the world. And it's actually, you know, not just spreading liberty, but actually helping people. That the I think that's the part that is the most rewarding to actually see that all the, the, the blood, sweat, and tears actually come to fruition. Yes, and if you see like a young 21-year-old speaking for the, fan for the first time in front of an audience, and that individual had like a stutter a couple of months ago, and now they have to they're brave enough to do this and then you see the growth in individuals. That is really what, what motivates me because that is also my story. Um, when I started with European Students for Liberty in 2011, it was just six individuals at a table trying to discuss, okay, what are we going to do here in Europe? And we, we were like splitting up the map, looking at like, okay, you will take care of Scandinavia. You will take care of the Eastern European parts. Uh, you will take care of the German countries, German speaking countries. France, uh, not going to happen. <laughs> um, and we were dividing it up. And I was listening to these people and they were often younger than I was. And I thought like, wow, they have so many experiences. And, and I, as, I didn't think I had it in me like, to, to be on the same level as these individuals. I felt somewhat of an imposter, you know. But on the other hand, I was excited that I had people in front of me that read Mises and Hayek and knew about the ideas. But thanks to the training and the structure that Students for Liberty have provided me with and the trust, I quickly learned that I can produce value. I, I raised 50,000 euros as a young 20-year-old and started the first training program in Europe where we invited 20 people to come together to have like an, several days of training. And I got to organize an event with 320 people and I saw like, oh, you can do these things. <laughs> and that gave me more confidence and I went for bigger and better things, including like pursuing a PhD. But it was Students for Liberty that showed me that. Universities normally just tell students what to do. Parents tell students what to do or their kids what to do, and so does schools. We are really trying to take them, tell them, look, you can do these things. And if a kid in Rwanda or in Venezuela has, has the guts to stand up for these ideas, you can do it in Utah, you can do it in PA, you can do it even at the University of Berkeley yourself too. And I was going to say, so what, what would you say has been the, the, the most successful approach that Students for Liberty has taken to actually take these young liberty-minded activists and, and give them the tools to make these really substantive, lasting impacts within their respective communities. So it's like the general baseline is the, is the training, but then they can, the, the really essential part is that they own their own projects. Because we as pro-liberty folks, we don't really want to be told what to do. And we have different passions. It might be like more academically. It might be like more business. It might be like you, more focused on journalism and public education. And that is all possible. We have people in our, amongst our programs that have started um, a YouTube channel, which has over 2 million views on some of the videos, talking about the Second Amendment, for instance. Like We didn't tell that individual to do that, but we gave them the network and the community that they can thrive in and practice it and fail on a smaller scale so that they can do bigger and better things afterwards. The example how effective this can be and what our theory of social change can accomplish is really Brazil. Because the goal is to have people like you coming through our programs, becoming more educated and talented, and then become pro-liberty advocates in academia, in journalism, in politics, very important, but also in business. And we need good pro-liberty advocates in all of these segments of society, not only focused on just on voting and elections, but on all of these different facets, because that's how we can win for liberty in the long run. And this has been most clearly shown in the country of Brazil. So let me go back two years ago. Two years ago, we had, we have a very, we still have a very active network. Some of the group meetings that we had gathered over 500 people. So for instance, in the northern part of Brazil, it's a city called Manaus. 
um, one of the most active group chapters um, we had there, and it frequently gathered over 500 people, which is mind-blowing. But we also have it documented that students came there to travel over 320 miles by boat, because that city is only accessible by a boat and by airplane, hmm. to attend these meetings. 320 miles, just to talk about liberty. But also because they had a goal, a freer Brazil, a less socialistic, a less corrupt Brazil. And our students then organized, with the help of other organizations um, across the country then, protests that were attended in Sao Paulo by over 200,000 people in 2016-2017. One of their main slogans to this day still is, less Marx, more Mises. <laughs> <laughs> and they fought against socialism, against the corruption, because they've seen how it was really crushing the country. And now some of our students were able to the public protest they've generated, like governors had to step down. Some of these individuals now have started cryptocurrency businesses with over 100 employees and, and hundreds of millions of revenues. Those are our alumni. And we have four alumni that have been elected just a couple of months ago to the federal congress. We have two people there and to state congresses. Some of them are only 22 years of age. Wow. That's... And these individuals had many years of experience of organizing things within Students for Liberty, working on a network and building a movement that they then could employ within politics, but also in other different fields. And if you go there, the liberty movement in Brazil is crazy. I spoke there a couple of months ago at an event called uh, Forum for Liberty, Forum de la Liberdade, and it has 5,000 people attending. That doesn't even happen in the United States. <laughs> no, that, that was so exciting because it you're actually seeing that the, the ideas of liberty in areas that people, I don't think, I mean, people are not going to look at Brazil as a hotbed for liberty, but to see that there is such a desire to have the ideas of liberty, you know, less Marx, more Mises. I, I don't think you could say who's Ludwig von Mises to, you know, five people on the street in America, and they even know who the heck you're talking about. So to, <laughs> to hear that was actually a slogan in Brazil, I mean, that's, that, I mean, that right there speaks to the value of what you guys are doing. Well, thank you. And I think it's important also for the American audience to realize, look, if these people are so hungry, because we in the United States, of course, we can complain about like too much public spending, but we are living here both in a very wealthy country. And I'm privileged to, to live here now in the United States. Before this, I lived in a bunch of other countries, but I love living here. I love uh, the, the service-oriented culture, the people, the warmth, um, the pride, and it's it's just wonderful, the diversity and does people have like an appreciation of liberty? Sure, now, nowadays more people are giving in into Cortes and Bernie Sanders and people like that. But generally, people like liberty. However, often they don't understand what that means. But if you mm -hmm. tell them about a student that stand up for free speech and protest in Venezuela and got imprisoned, if you tell them about students that stood out for free markets in Nigeria and also nearly got detained, if you tell them that we have people in Belarus fighting for criminal justice reform and also have been imprisoned and that these people barely like have enough like in the case of venezuela not having enough medicine enough food but they're still fighting for these ideas then liberty gets a different quality to it if you listen to some of these stories and that their grandparents were imprisoned in a, in a gulag and tortured then you say like oh this is what liberty means the united states and people mm -hmm. in germany like we have not experienced that like our generation or maybe my parents generation but it's so easy to forget this. So we have to remind them that and having these international stories and fighting for the same principles with the same slogans, for instance, peace, love, liberty, don't tread on anyone. That really forms a global community that strives towards the same goals and it has a lot of power.
Oh, for sure. I mean, I had um, one of my guests on back in the beginning of the year was uh, Hillary Andaluz Aguilar, and uh, and she's from Venezuela, and she was able to pretty much give a play-by-play watching how you know Hugo Chavez came to power and then with his passing, the rise of Nicolas Maduro. And I mean, she had a, a close family friend who, out protesting to the government, you know, shot point blank in the head. And I mean, people in America don't understand that that's not that's not rare in these very authoritarian dicta- dictatorial nations. It, it, it almost becomes, it, it, you know, the norm. It's like that that will happen if you go out and protest against the government. And you, I think you hit the nail on the head and you said how privileged we are in America that we we take it uh, take for granted the fact that we are able to have the right to act on our liberties without fear of, of reformations from the government i mean i know right now the whole thing with steven crowder and youtube and and they're you know demonetizing his platform like we are so privileged in america that that is what we're considering to be an attack on free speech not seeing someone literally lose their lives protesting a tyrannical government and I think that just shows how far behind a lot of the rest of the world is, but how quickly we can lose those freedoms if we we forget what we can actually return to, and that is a, a system like that we're seeing in Venezuela, or, or or likewise. It's it's something that I think we need to be aware of, and I think you know what you're doing at Students for Liberty, and what I'm trying to do here, for example, is to raise awareness because I really do believe that um, politics is downstream of culture. We have to change the culture and change the mindset to actually have a long-lasting, substantive, real change, um, hopefully for, for our future generation's posterity. Yeah, and I think you're raising a good point. The question is, how do you make also like a cultural shift and make the ideas of liberty more attractive? The international comparison is, of course, good, so we can f- feel good about ourselves, but also realize, oh, maybe it's easy to lose these rights that we have and the liberty that we have if we don't fight for it. I mean, that's important. But another thing that I would bring up is that we as pro-liberty advocates have probably not done such a good job on is that we also have to be the better people too. We have to write ideas and we can tell you theoretically and empirically why socialism doesn't work with the work of Ludwig von Mises and so many others in Milton Friedman. We can say that. We can show you why licensing of different uh, work does not work and it's, it's really undermining the labor market. We can say why small businesses are so important. We can argue against regulation. We can say why uh, printing too much money is bad. However, often what I see young people specifically, and I did that myself, is that they're going out there and they're saying like, look, if you believe in government doing healthcare or government doing this and that, you are evil. And I'm correct because I, I, I know the truth. And often especially here in the United States as well, we become so polarized that we don't talk to somebody with a different opinion anymore. We are vilifying the quote-unquote other side and everybody that doesn't believe in our ideas is stupid, evil, or I don't know, ignorant. Mm-hmm. And that's what we're seeing more and more in the United States. And we have to be the better people too, which means that we have to continue to be respectful, that we have to seek discourse and also try to listen to the other side. To give you like one concrete example, Free speech on campus, we're focusing on that a lot. Our students successfully have sued many universities and got rid of free speech zones and other nonsense like that. Important issue. And many students are against free speech. And we're saying like, oh, we are so intellectual, but why are these people against free speech? Are they just evil? No, because they are looking at thinkers like Herbert Marcuse, who comes from the Frankfurt School. And if you ask many people who are fighting for free speech on campus, they don't even know him and they don't know even his arguments. His arguments are misguided and they're wrong, 
but they are coherent and logically coherent. And that's made them much frightening. I don't think that the left necessarily knows all of these arguments themselves. And like some of these students, because it's, as you've said, probably maybe largely cultural. But if you don't know where they're coming from, how can we present them that liberty is such a better alternative and so much more dignifying, such more tolerant to all kinds of different people and has values in it embedded that the left also wants, for instance. Mm -hmm. And I think that's an important topic that we need to raise more. Oh, for sure. And I think one of the problems, too, is that we've gotten so ingrained in this uh, this tribalism where, you know, it's it's my side versus the other side. And it's it's completely ignoring the fact that we have to live here together. And, and that requires us to have to talk to each other. And I think that's just, you know, part one, because, you know, part of understanding one another is, is being able to talk to each other. And if we're not able to talk to each other, then it's going to be like, again, just do this, this warring tribal mindset. And there is no victor in that, that kind of environment. It comes down to, you know, brother versus brother. And we've seen what happens across the world when that happens. And it's, it's tragic because, I, I think, you know, in America, because we are so privileged, we are turning a blind eye to the fact that, you know, we're we're almost you know throwing away our liberties because we have gotten so ingrained in this tribal mindset that we're not having conversations with people. We're not getting outside of our comfort zones and actually trying to figure out where the other side is coming from. And, and I think part of being able to live in a coherent and respectful society is being able to not necessarily agree but at least understand where your ideological uh, foes are, are coming from. Don't, don't agree with it, but just at least know where they're coming from. And I would say, you know, nine times out of 10, it's not that they have ill intentions. It's not that they are trying to implement some evil, you know, terrible socialist policy upon America because they want to destroy uh, liberty, but they're doing it because they think their, their solutions are going to solve the, the problems that they're identifying in the world. And I think it's our job as, as those in the liberty camp to say, no, 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 here's our beliefs and our values, and here's why our ideas win. This is why we do it better. Um, you know, I just had an episode on where I had the one of the, the um, reps from We Do Better on my show, which is a nonprofit seeking to help uh, people put their tax dollars towards nonprofits that they want to support versus their money going towards the federal government via taxes. Um, so getting a tax credit and actually putting your money where your mouth is, but actually having your money make a real substantive change by endorsing and supporting these nonprofits. So um, really quickly, I did want to kind of circle back because, you know, we did talk about Brazil, but let's kind of talk about some other wins that uh, Students for Liberty has had, not only internationally, but maybe here in the United States that uh, people might be able to uh, to see in their own backyard. Oh, absolutely. I mean, we have people that have become elected to a mayor Mississippi, for instance, in a small town there. I forgot the name right now. Um, and many of our students also um, have become employed within the Liberty Movement, which I would also call like wins that they that they get to start their own think tanks and nonprofits, but also that they get like a better better paying job as well. And one of the other wins that we just recently we had a students um, student she came to us and when she started with us she barely talked out like she barely wanted to talk in front of a group because she was so shy. But then, uh, thanks to the training that we provided her, she then started alone 23 groups in the Pacific Northwest. <laughs> 23 new pro-liberty groups that she recruited. She went That's out awesome. there and, and started those groups. And I didn't do that when I was a student. I don't even know how to do that in 23 groups. That's insane. Um, and now she also has sued her school successfully because they had uh, free speech zones. 
and she got rid of those zones because uh, she was threatening to, to sue the school because she knew that it was not um, constitutional valid. And that would be like another win. We had also like another win in the University of Texas of all places. We had a student, her name is Nicole Sanders. She um, was sending out actually the constitutions of the United States of America. Right? That, that should be fine. That <laughs> seems like common sense. <laughs> it's an important document somehow for this country, isn't it? But uh, she was doing that and talked specifically about the Second Amendment. And then the c- campus police came to her and said, like, she didn't do that. Um, she didn't declare this. And it was not in a dedicated in a dedicated free speech zone. And she then came to us and said, like, this is this is wrong. And then we helped her writing, like, a blog post. And then she made a video. This went viral. And then with the help of other pro-liberty organizations, um, also an organization called FIRE, she was able to sue the school and, and won. So that's, like, a, that's another major win that that we have here but also our students in the united states are the most active i mentioned to you that we had over 2000 events so 2261 over half of these events are taking place in the united states so the leaders here in the u.s are the most active but very often it will take a couple of years until they really reach positions of influence and power but we have now people like we had three people on the forbes 30 under 30 list oh wow um four internationally three in the united states and some of them are professors now. Some of them have won. Uh, one, his name is Jared Meyer. He won 50 policy wins last year because he worked for a think tank. And he was speaking in front of Congress and different state legislators about exactly what he worked, talked about before, about the, the inefficiency and inefficacy of work permits. And he won like 50 policy wins in all of these states where legislations that were pro-liberty were endorsed and that's just the doing of like one of our alumni and we keep tracking them and so that i'm able to tell more and more stories like this that's so exciting so i I, unfortunately we're getting already i I, this interview went really fast it kind of caught me off guard um but (laughs) one of the things i like to do for my show is to kind of figure out where my guests started their liberty journey because i think one of the most important things for for people who are liberty curious is to see the the progression of someone who was not in the the liberty movement and how they got to where they are today. So Wolf, where did you kind of start your liberty journey and how did you get to where you are today as the CEO for Students for Liberty? So I started off with Googling (laughs) because uh, the financial crisis happened, the Great Recession, 2007, 8 and so forth. And the explanation of the media as well as the politicians was uh, it's capitalism's fault, it's the greed of the bankers. And that, as an explanation, struck me as too simplistic, and therefore I started Googling. And I found out about Fannie Mae, about Freddie Beck, about the Community Reinvestment Act of 1973, or one, not sure, uh, but also about the Austrian business cycle theory. So thinkers like Hayek and Mises that explained how central banks and low interest rate policies leads to financial uh, cycles that really are detrimental to the economy and boom and bust cycles. And that fascinated me, and I started reading those those guys, and I've learned so much more during that time, and I was studying it on my own then in my bachelor's degree that I got from, from Germany. And then I wrote a book about this, and I thought it got published in Germany, and I found Students for Liberty, and that opened up a completely different world to me. And at the same time, I also um, became fluent in English. I took language classes only in 2009. Before that, my English was really non-existent because I, I was a bad student and I went to a bad high school, so that combination didn't really work out. Um, but I took intense language classes and that opened a new world. And then I got a little bit crazy and lived in 
Turkey, Argentina, Spain, London, Stockholm, um, and now here in the United States. But a huge chunk of that was me being a volunteer for Students for Liberty and leading a movement in Europe. And now we have, we are in all of these countries in Europe, and we just had an event where 800 people came together in Serbia, um, listened to all kinds of pro-liberty speakers. But that's that's really my, my path. And um, I pursued then the PhD, which I then got two years ago. And uh, Alexander McCobin, the founder of Students for Liberty, he wanted me to come back. And after a lot of introspection, I realized that my own personal values are more closely aligned with Students for Liberty than with a job in academia where I would have significantly less impact and would have also would be probably less challenged than I'm day to day here. But <laughs> I wanted to be challenged. I wanted to grow as an individual. And I started with Students for Liberty and three months later, I became the CEO, <laughs> which I didn't plan. <laughs> which I didn't plan, but Alexander uh, wanted me to apply for the position. And because of the same reasons why I came back to Students for Liberty, applied for me applying for the CEO position. Um, I became CEO and with a young age of like 30 years of age, um, um, I really enjoyed it. And now I can talk to the donors that are supporting our work in the United States and across the world. And I don't have a problem asking for big amounts of money because it has changed my life. And I know it changes every day, thousands of individuals' lives and it's it's emotional, it's important, and we make a difference for liberty, and uh, this is my life now, and I get to talk to interesting people like you, Brian, so it's a privilege. <laughs> and the, the, the privilege is all on this side of the uh, the table over here, but no, seriously, thank you so much, and, and I think the best call to action we can have here is, how can people, if they're interested in joining Students for Liberty, get involved? Oh, absolutely. Like if you're a student, go to studentsforliberty.org, uh, click on the Campus Coordinator Program, and then apply for it. We are very selective, but that makes it more interesting. So we want to have more good people that go out there and make a difference for the ideas. If you are of any kind of age, of course, we are doing also things for a general audience. The biggest event that we're organizing is called LibertyCon. It has between 1,000 and 1,700 people. And it will be from the 3rd to the 5th of April 2020 in Washington, D.C., and you can just go to libertycon.com and check it out and register. It is not that expensive. And you will have interested speakers from the United States, but around the world. You meet the best students, but you also meet uh, young professionals like Brian or people who are in the movement for many, many years. It's an event for everyone and not only for students. And that's probably the, the two places people should go to, libertycon.com and studentsforliberty.org. And if people have an interest in our work and would support it, we are very, very grateful. And you have a German in charge, so we are very efficiently run. <laughs> well, there you go. Well, listen, Dr. Wolf von Lahr, thank you so much for joining us today on The Brian Nichols Show. And folks, if you're interested in getting involved in Students for Liberty, again, go over to Students for Liberty online, but also if you're interested in getting together with a great network of uh, liberty-minded folks, both young and old, LibertyCon, April 3rd through the 5th, 2020 in Washington, D.C. Uh, just a quick trip down 95 here from Philadelphia. So I'll make sure I make it a point to, uh, to sneak down next year. Uh, but with that, uh, Dr. Von Lahr, thank you so much for uh, for joining me today. I definitely appreciate your time. And uh, hey, this is how we change the future. So thank you so much for all you're doing over at Students for Liberty. And uh, yes, please let us know over here at the Brian Nichols Show. If there's anything we can do to help promote the, uh, the values and missions you guys are doing. You guys are doing great work. So thank you for all you do. You're doing amazing work. It's a privilege of being on your show. And um, thank you and have a wonderful day to you and your audience. Bye-bye. <laughs>
Thank you so much. Well, listen, folks, if you enjoyed today's show, please go ahead and uh, subscribe to The Brian Nichols Show over on iTunes. And uh, if you're interested, please go ahead and follow me on social media at B. Nichols Liberty over on uh, Twitter and on Facebook. And as always, if you could, folks, give us a rate and review over on iTunes. That's how we move up the rankings so folks can find more episodes like this at The Brian Nichols Show. Uh, so with that, folks, it's Brian Nichols signing off here on The Brian Nichols Show for Dr. Wolf Von Lahr of Students for Liberty. We'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to The Brian Nichols Show. Find more episodes at briannicholsshow.com.